Welcome to Lead to Succeed. This is the podcast to hear from the leaders of today in various fields from entrepreneurs to corporate directors. We hear their stories, lessons learned and challenges faced, as well as insights and advice to become a successful and an inspiring leader. The podcast is presented by us, Callum and Rebecca Jenkins, as we both believe that we all have the potential to be outstanding leaders if that's what we choose. Welcome everybody, welcome to our Lead to Succeed podcast. You are going to be blown away today with our guest, Sarah Fay. And Sarah is the Chief Executive of Legacy International Group. And I am excited to have Sarah on the podcast today because the Legacy Group exists to overcome barriers and bring about meaningful change. And I'm sure Sarah is going to tell us a lot more about that as we go through the podcast with her. But what struck me on Sarah's LinkedIn profile is that she says at 23, she was told she was never going to walk again. So Sarah has really had some big barriers and challenges in her life, but now she's leading her own successful business at the age of 40. So you are going to be so impressed with this. Um, with what Sarah's achieved. So big welcome to you, Sarah. Thank you, Would you for like to just a, Yeah, I would just like to do a little bit of an introduction before we get into the podcast questions. Yep. So as you've already introduced me, my name is Sarah Flay. Um, I am the grand old age of 40. I've just turned the big 4-0. Uh, so brand new decade, brand new perspective on life, I guess, is kind of my hope. Um, and yeah, so exactly what you said. I was born with a, a neuromuscular condition, which causes my muscles in my arms and legs to waste. Um, and uh, I didn't know I had it until I was 21 years of age. I was diagnosed as 21 because my father um, was diagnosed in a, a random appointment at a rheumatology clinic um, and was asked if he had any children because the condition was hereditary, a 50-50 chance of rolling the dice one way or the other. Um, and he said, obviously he said, yes, I've got a daughter. Um, and then I was tested. But as soon as I, I heard that my dad had been diagnosed, all of those things that didn't make any sense for 21 years all of a sudden fitted into this huge jigsaw puzzle that was my life and made so much sense there was a reason why i couldn't walk um, in a straight line there was a reason why i couldn't run it all just made sense to me um and that was the start of my journey then um i'm a mum i've got two teenage sons um who are fantastic human beings um and i love them more as teenagers than i did as toddlers and I don't think many people can say that, but definitely I love having grown up children. Um, and yeah, I run my own company with my business partner, Leighton. Um, and we've kind of built a reputation as a disabled people's organization, but we're now setting our sights on becoming the inclusion leader uh, for Wales. So the inclusion and social impact leader for Wales. So that's kind of our next uh, ambitious direction, really. So that's a little bit about me. I mean, I know you've got big, big ambitions and there is no reason why you won't be successful with those. So, Callum, are we going to start yeah. off with... Well, thanks for, thanks into... for coming on, Sarah. I think what you've said so far, you know, you've got a really amazing story as to how you got to where you are. And I think it's just a testament to, you know, power of your mind and willpower to crack on with things. Um, and I just wanted to, like, start things off with a pretty simple question. Like, 
you know, we hear like about what leadership means from various different people, but in your perspective, what does what does leadership mean to you? Um, I think oh, there's that whole debate, isn't it, about whether leaders are born or whether leaders are developed. And um, I certainly don't think I was born a leader, but my mother will tell you differently because I was just a bossy madam from the time I could speak and, and from a function. So I think I've always been someone who's at the forefront of things, always wanted to take charge. I was never good at team building exercises, sitting back and not being the dominant one. So I think there's an element of, of just someone who just wants to get up and get on that um, is a true leader. I think that um, one of the things I've learned is the leaders have to be humble. Um, we can't, you know, leader, great leaders are not egotistical people. Um, people don't follow people with big e egos. And I think to be a leader, you do have to have people who naturally want to follow you. So they don't, they're not task-based uh, people who just do what you say. I don't think that's a good leader. Dictatorship is not a good leadership style. But I think it's about people just resonating with what you say and who you are and, and the example that you set and want to align with that. that. That's a leader. It's someone who's willing to break the boundaries, go before people, maybe go where people haven't gone before. Uh, maybe that's more an entrepreneurial spirited leader. I don't know. But um, for me, I think it's about forging ahead where perhaps others others haven't wanted to or can't. Sure. No, I, think that's a, I think that's a really good description. So do you think that maybe um, being able to get like buy-in from other people and be like humble about it in the way you lead people would be like some of the main qualities you would say that a leader might need to demonstrate? Yeah, I think or that... I think you've got to have people who want to be part of whatever it is you're leading. Uh, otherwise, you know, if you're leading yourself and only yourself, are you a true, is that leading, you know, or is that just someone who's pioneering? I don't know if there's a difference. I don't know whether you need to be a pioneer to be a leader. Um, but certainly I feel like, yeah, you've got to say something that resonates with others and that's how you become a leader, I think, yeah. for me. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. I was, if it's someone who's, say, perhaps a bit younger, perhaps in someone like my position, and they perhaps aspire to become more of a leader or move into more of a leadership position a little bit further on in the future, would you have any advice on, like, perhaps a couple of key traits or qualities that they should maybe look to try and develop to help them move into more of that sort of position? I think, Callum, the first thing I'd say is forget your age. It's absolutely irrelevant as a leader. A leader is not someone who is developed because of their age. Um, we have some leaders that are in their 70s and they're awful. And they're more like, they do run more like dictatorship kind of ways of working. And we have some phenomenal teenagers. When you think of some of the uh, role models now, um, you know, not to be political in any way, but if you think of someone like Greta Thunberg, you know, she has a passion for a subject. She speaks out about that subject. She is a leader. And what is she, 16, 17? So age is nothing to do with leadership. It's about um, it's about you being integral um, and having that integrity to lead something with something you're passionate about. And age should never, you know, I started my first business at 17 um, and people bought the service that I was selling. So therefore, you know, 
I was leading something, I was developing something. People came to me because I had something they wanted and that was nothing to do with my age. Um, it was what I, what the skill that I had others wanted to buy. Um, so yeah, I'm a massive advocate as someone who employs a lot of young people. I'm a massive advocate of moving away from this age thing around leadership because oh. I have, yeah, I have a project leader who's 16 in my company. Oh, wow. Right. So. That's impressive. So mm -hmm. along that, oh, I think that's a really fair point to be fair, actually. And on that kind of like same train of thought, would you say that there was a particular time in your career where you felt like you, you moved, you became a leader yourself? Was that perhaps when you were a bit younger or more so now with the current business you're running? Mm -hmm. Any kind of like time that sort of sticks out in your mind? That's a, that's a really interesting question because I've, I'm where I am now and it feels like it's all because it all because of it's organic and it's kind of just all come together and you know there are days where I kind of think am I really a CEO is is this what a CEO looks like is this what a CEO does do other CEOs do what I do you know I think we all have imposter syndrome because we know us and we know our flaws and we I know that I scream and I shout and I rant um, and I have bad days and good days and I guess the perception to me of a leader is someone who's strong and with it and has their stuff together and that doesn't feel like me so to say have I where when did I when did I recognize myself as a leader? Um, I still think I probably don't. I still probably have that crisis of faith of believing in myself. Um, I'd say that probably, I mean, there's that cliche of thought leader and I've always tried to avoid it because I, I sometimes think people call themselves thought leaders but don't put much effort into the thinking of it. Um, but yeah, probably because I'm willing to stick my head above the parapet within the subjects that I speak about and work in and I live those things, that perhaps maybe as a leader, I've developed that because people resonate with what I'm saying. So maybe since I took ownership of being a disabled woman and a disabled business owner, maybe that's when I became more aware that I was leading something because others were starting to follow starting to resonate and align so if i was going to pinpoint it i'd probably say that when i took ownership of my own uh sense of being a leader i guess okay that makes sense so do you think that kind of like actually goes back to a little bit about what you were saying at the start so when you were saying like you know being humble just kind of you know continuously developing and evolving things like that rather than saying you know i'm a leader now kind of know as much as i need to know and it's still kind of like continuously developing and learning new traits and skills yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am always open to learning. I'm always, you know, I'm, I'm hungry to learn. I don't get as much chance now to do a lot of personal development like I used to because like just work and, and just 2020 has been such a challenge on so many levels. Um, but yeah, I, I could never imagine a time where I wasn't still developing me because like I said, and I see all my flaws, I see all my weaknesses, and, and I want to remove as many of those as I can. So I'm I'm never satisfied with who I am, ever. Um, and that's probably my strength and my weakness. Um, you know, I always want more, better um, for me personally. And I think I'm always trying to prove myself uh, because there's that little in the background, the person who can't, the person who was told she couldn't. I think that's that's a massive driver for me as a leader. We had a good chat about that, Sarah, didn't we, just before we did this podcast. 
about something in both of us that we both recognize that, that there's always that drive to do more, to achieve more. Where does it come from? And, and you said that it was because when, or if you're ever told you can't do something, that's a real spur to you. And I said, oh, you know, that reminds me, I was always told I would never get into the senior school because I wasn't clever enough or smart enough. And then I remember reading a book by Tony Robbins, who it was a relief to me that you didn't have to be the most intelligent person in the world to get on in life. And that's something that's always stuck with me because I thought at school you had to be super intelligent to be able to get anywhere or to make a success of your life. But my, my point here is that you've had so many challenges to contend with, sort of personal challenges to you. And I wonder if you'd just share some of those with our listeners, because I think it will help people realize that you've got to pick yourself back up and you've got two choices when you're faced with challenges. And maybe just share a couple of those kind of situations that you faced and yeah. how you coped with them. Okay. Um I guess one of the things I always think about, people hear my story um, and when I share my story now in its full entirety, when I speak at events and things and share, I always put a disclaimer and say that an extender story writer, uh, script writer would never write my story as an extender storyline because it's too elaborated. Uh, people would think it's not real. Um, how many bad things or how many negative things can happen to a person to, to sort of, you know, get them through, uh, well, 40 years, you know, I mean, how much can you cram into 40 years in terms of barriers and things? But, um, you know, if we take time to listen to everyone's story, we've all been through challenges and we all still go through challenges. I think 2020 has been one of my most challenging years on a physical and mental level and not just because of COVID. Um, but probably, I guess, the, the um, pivotal point, which is the bit that you picked up on from my social media, was that at 23, I was told I'd never work again. And, you know, um, I was 23 I wanted to work. I was ambitious. I, you know, I had all these skills that I'd gained. I'd worked since I was 16. I had, I had you know, I felt I was quite mature in my skill set, in my work. Um, I wanted to work and all of my skills were in administration. Um, and so back then, flexi working wasn't a thing. Uh, but I, you know, I roll up to the job centre and kind of be like, okay, uh, so I've had to leave my job in the NHS because of my muscle wasting condition, but I want to work. Um, so help me find a job. And then they were like, well, the thing is, because of the way that your condition affects you, nobody's going to employ you because you can't be relied upon. And they, this is back in the day where my kind of work was done nine till five in an office environment or in some kind of administrative environment and and there was no such thing as homework in flexi work in technology you know this kind of video video calling or anything um you know and so that was it plain and simple this is not your place to work this is not going to work for you goodbye um, become a government statistic and I spiraled into a very dark depression I had two children under the age of two um, and I was like you know what well, this can't be my lot in life because my gosh I've probably got another 60 years on the planet and I don't want to live this way but 
I don't know how to get out of where I am. And I am a huge advocate of networks, of support networks. And if it wasn't for the network of my family and my friends encouraging me to find a way, then I don't think I'd be where I am today. Because as much as I am resilient, tenacious, driven, you know, I'll fight my way through anything. I'd lost all hope at that point and at 23 didn't have the life skills I needed to put things into perspective. Um, but it's amazing looking at those two little toddlers staring back at me, needing, you know, needing me to teach them how this world worked. It's amazing how that spurred me on. Um, so then I went on to study my degree. I took five years to do my degree, graduated. And it was in that process that I found that I loved business. Um, there was business was the answer for me. I could have my own business, work it around my condition, which was a complete lie. Uh, when you run your own business, you, the business runs you. You do not run the business. Um, and so I, if anything, it probably affected my condition more than my condition uh, benefited from being self-employed. Um, but yeah, so that kind of led me to set up 10 companies, employ nine staff, and gave myself a nervous breakdown uh, because I'd built a monster of 10 companies that I didn't really want. I had no desire to run them. Um, I liked making up new companies, not running businesses. Um, and I just got to the point on my 33rd birthday, and I'll never forget it as long as I live, sat under a tree at a outdoor water park with my children. I had actually taken some time off work because I was exhausted. And I just turned to my husband and said, I just can't do this anymore. And he said, well, don't. And that was such a turning point for me. Um, my husband has always been a massive advocate of every risk I've ever taken, every decision I've ever taken. He never questions me unless he thinks I'm completely mad. Uh, most people would think I'm mad, but my husband has always been my massive supporter and given me the strength I need to make bold decisions. And I think that's why I'm such an advocate of networks. But that's just two examples in the space of three years. Um, fast forward three years later, I developed sepsis um, from an infection in my skin and had life-threatening sepsis. Um, and that was a massive turning point for me where I sort of recognized that um, I had to do something with my life that was far more valuable than just doing business. And that's when my path around sort of helping people and being driven by other people's barriers really kicked in. Um, and that's kind of where I've been ever since, really. Um, but that's just three probably smaller parts of my story around barriers. Yeah. I mean, thank you for sharing that, because it is inspirational. You have to pick yourself up from those situations. What did you learn from that? What skills did you really think that you developed by being faced with those challenges? Because we always learn something from them. What were the big learnings for you? Um, I think it's, it's easy to look back with hindsight now. Um, at the time, I didn't feel any learning experience from any of them. I just felt like a failure on a number of occasions. I felt overwhelmed by the, the way that my health had dictated my path. I guess. Um, looking back now, the one thing that I've learned is to accept the moment in which I'm in, understand it and take control of it in that, okay, this is happening to me and this is real. And I, I can't do much about this bit of it, but how I come out of that is 
you know, important to me to take control of. So I've learned that whilst I can't be in control of everything, and I am an absolute control freak, as my staff will tell you, um, and my husband will tell you, and my kids will tell you. Um, but for me, it, it was learning that just because I feel out of control doesn't mean that I can't come out of it in a better, stronger way. Um, it's okay to fail. It is how we grow. It's how we move forward without life lessons. Um, we can't develop as people. Um, and I guess the one thing that I'd always been guilty of, guilty of feeling, was that I never stood still long enough to do anything that I felt was valuable. And actually now I realized that everything that I did, everything I left behind, walked away from, everything I took forward with me on my journey has all led me to being the person that I am now. So nothing's wasted and nothing is uh, negative. I have no regrets whatsoever, um, but I can now look back and see the positives out of all of those negative experiences because I've learned to accept that they were all okay. They were all part of my story and my journey and it's who I am today as a result of them. I, I can relate to that. I think we don't necessarily see them at the time, but as you say, as you go forward in life, you look back on them and say, they were they were helpful to me, they were useful to me, although it might not, it probably didn't feel like it at all um, at, at the time. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say as well, um, you touched on about when you were a bit younger, being in a bit of a dark place, you said, or being depressed or whatever it was. Um, I think perhaps maybe a lot of other people feel like this as well at the moment during lockdown. I, I know I've sort of had good and bad days and I think perhaps other people as well, um, you know, get a bit frustrated because you can't do certain things or not necessarily making progress with their work or whatever it is. I've, I've felt like that myself a few times. I think I think what you said there about like accepting the situation of what it is and, um, you know, kind of trying to understand it and take control is, is, is good advice. Yeah, I mean, at this moment in time, I'm really struggling with my, my mental health. Um, you know, it, sometimes there are days where one thing goes wrong and it feels like the end of the world. And that's not me. That's really not me. Um, and I know, you know, my staff, some of my staff are really struggling and my friends are really struggling. Um, I've just had COVID and I've literally just, I'm still coming out of the recovery of having had COVID. So it's week four for me now. Um, and I was looking forward to spending the evening on Friday with my uh, my girlfriends. Uh, we were going to have dinner together and cocktails. We haven't seen each other since August. Um, and then we've had our local lockdown, which now means that you can't meet with anyone from outside of your own household. And as much as I love my husband and my teenage boys, they're not really what I was looking for for Friday night. Um, and now just the, the sheer feeling of loss and upset because I don't get to see my best friends on Friday. I feel like that stroppy teenager who just can't cope with their hormones. Um, and this is not me, this is not the person that I am, but my resilience in all of this has taken a huge knock and being sick has, has taken a, a huge knock as well. Um, you know, and that's, I'm very open with my staff. I had a very bad morning this morning, um, just felt like what's the point in doing anything? Does anybody listen? Does anybody actually hear my voice? Um, that crisis where you just feel like you're losing control. Um, and, you know, I've come into work, I've had a chat with my business partner, we've had a laugh, we've had a giggle, we've made fun of lots of the situations that we're in, and I've put things back in context again. But again, it comes back to that network. 
you know, if I sat in isolation of myself, I would just have put myself into a right old mood this morning. Whereas I've surrounded myself with great people who have allowed my mood to lift and have allowed me to put things in context, get angry, do all the emotional stuff that I need to do. And now I feel so much better about it. I'm still really annoyed and really disappointed that I can't see my friends on Friday. Um, but I probably feel less stroppy teenager and more just, you know, angsty, middle-aged menopausal woman. <laughs> well, I think the mindset is everything, Sarah, isn't it? And yeah. the fact that we can be open about it when we have bad days is important. And um, How open are you with your team about that? I mean, you talk about being open with them and... When we spoke before, you've got a very kind of um, equal uh, structure within your business. Everybody is um, helping and supporting the overall cause of the business. So how much equality do you actually have in your business and how much do you openly share about feelings and helping each other, you know, when we've got difficult situations to face? Yeah, um, I guess you'd have to ask my staff how equal we are um, and, uh, you know, but the kind of environment that myself and Leighton have set up is very much one that we would want to work in. Um, and if there's anything that I felt when I was working in the NHS was that I never had a voice. Nobody was interested in me and, and what I had to say. Um, I was a number on a payroll and I did went to work, did my job. If I did it well, nobody cared. And if I did it badly, everybody knew. Um, that's not the environment that we've built. Um, we call it the mattress model. And I know I shared this with you when we had a chat, the mattress model. Uh, Henry was one of our staff who um, lives with autism. And uh, Henry came up with this model because we're all uh, pieces of the mattress. We all have different functions to play. We all have different elements within the mattress that we are. But ultimately, if we all function together, then we become that mattress. So, you know, Know, if a mattress didn't have any springs then it wouldn't be a mattress it would just be a piece of fluffy material and uh, if a mattress didn't have a cover it would be very uncomfortable because it would just be a set of exposed springs so you kind of get the picture um so every team meeting we have everyone has the opportunity to have a voice uh, if people come up with project ideas and they're viable we will run with them we will support them we will invest in their idea we will um you know give them all of the resources and help that we can for them to build that under legacy's umbrella um how transparent am i probably too transparent i am probably you know completely see-through um there's one thing I've learned when, as a menopausal woman, and I'm prematurely menopausal, I'm about 10 years too early for the statistics, um, is that I can't hide when I'm having a bad day. Um, my facade does not exist as a menopausal woman. I have no desire to even hold a facade up. Um, so if I get on a team call, I've even moved my Monday morning team calls to Monday afternoon. So I have time to sort myself out so that I come into the meeting as a human being not as some kind of monster um and i've turned up to meetings with my team where i have literally not even been able to hold a conversation with them because of the way that my hormones are affecting me at that point or lack of hormones um and i've literally just had to say guys i can't do this today i can't do it let you guys run the meeting you take it over i'll chip in if i've got anything valuable to add but can i just sit in the background and not be here today 
Um, I can come in in the worst mood in the world because I'm raging with my with my situation and I'm just totally um, not making any logical sense because of the way that my hormones are affecting me. And I will just say, guys, I'm on a really bad day. Uh, if you've got questions that are other people can fix, can you get them to fix it? Because I'm just going to hide in my corner of my office and drink coffee. Is that okay? Um, I am 100% transparent. There is not a day where my staff don't know where they are with me um, because they all go through exactly the same things. They come in, they've had arguments with their, they know their partners, the kids have driven them up the wall, they're worried about their parents or whatever it is. And we just say, look, you can't hide that at work that is going to have an effect on your work but if it's a reason why it's affecting your work by being open about it people can give you a bit of grace and that's the important thing and a lot my staff give me a lot of grace but then I give them a lot of great opportunity to be who they are in our organization as well so I feel like it's a very much a two-way thing. How do you think that plays out Sarah because you won't see that in a corporate to that degree it just won't happen it doesn't happen yeah and the fact that you have that real openness transparency it's okay to say you're having a bad day you do it yourself how, how do you think that benefits the business um i think i have people who are themselves coming into work and that's really important authenticity within people coming to work people don't have to play a role within our company they are who they are um i recently had a staff member who said to me mm, do you want to use that photograph of me because my tattoos across here are showing and i said do you like your tattoos yeah they're a massive part of who i am i said so are you proud of your tattoos? Yes. So is there a reason why I need to hide your tattoos? Because I'm, I'm a tattoo. Uh, I love my tattoos. I didn't start having tattoos till my late 30s. They're a massive part of my identity. They mean so much to me. And it, my photographs, my you'll see my on my LinkedIn photographs, my, my tattoos are present. They're part of who I am. They tell my story. And if you don't like my tattoos, then you won't like working with me. And so it's a, for me, it's a barrier that kind of is a checkpoint in relationships of working with people. And she was just blown away. She's new to the company, has worked in the corporate world um, and was just like, wow, this, this person actually does want me to be me. Now that isn't always good because we get the good, the bad and the ugly. Um, and some days we get people who are having really bad days and boy, does it destroy the atmosphere in the, mm -hmm. in the office or on video calls or whatever. But you know what, we're all human. And then we, you know, one of the things I did when I started the company was I put a head of pastoral care in because I can't take, I take everybody's emotions on myself personally. And I can't do that because it's exhausting, it's draining. And I stay awake at night worrying about other people's lives. So I put a head of pastoral care in so that I pay someone to look after my staff's well-being. They're not a HR they are pastoral care. They are well-being. My staff all have regular calls with that person just to see how they are. Life, work, general, whatever. Um, and that was so important to me. So, um, yeah, I would hope that my staff feel that they can 100% be themselves. And it makes for a better, more diverse workforce. Um, people are far more themselves, more open about themselves. But like I said, sometimes that can be dealing with what I call my box of frogs. Uh, sometimes you take the lid off and all the frogs come jumping out. Okay, so I accept that you can have some downsides to that, but there must be upsides, such as do you get more creativity, more ideas coming through, do you think? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everyone feels like they have a voice. And uh, like we've got a session on Monday now, which is a brand new campaign we're launching, which is pulling all our work together around inclusion. And I've invited all the team leaders to come in. But I said, look, if you are not a team leader, but you feel like you've got something to input, come into the office, be part of the conversation. There is not from the 16 the year old right up to the 60 year old. There is not a member of staff that doesn't feel that they can't contribute and say stupid things as well as brilliant things. But the stupid things often lead to brilliant things. Yeah. And they're learning that. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. Different generational voices, different generational perspectives make our work what it is. Um, um, people not being afraid to say they don't like something. I mean, how many of us say in our work, yeah, I don't agree with that policy, or I'm not sure that policy would actually work. I don't see the relevance in that policy. And um, that's amazing to have because then you really tru truly get buy-in. And I notice how quickly a lot of our newer staff are buying into our mission rather than just coming for the paycheck. Um, and I've got some fantastically experienced people who've recently been made redundant that I've literally snapped up. Uh, even if I couldn't afford them, I snapped them up. Um, I'll work out their pay afterwards. But just seeing the way they've come into the organization and just bought into our culture because it's like, oh, okay, people here breathe. You know, people actually take time. People, we don't have coffee breaks, lunch breaks. People just take a break when they need it and they step away from their desks. We have a well-being room, which we can't currently use because of COVID, um, because of the restrictions and things. Uh, but we have a well-being room that's got grass on the floor, uh, bean bags and blow up sort of benches and all these things where people can just go and just hang out if they've had a stressful call or whatever. Um, and I just feel like people just, they their work is part of who they are rather than just the thing they do to get salary. And I hope for most of our staff, that would be true. It's so important and doesn't happen enough. So it's great to hear what you're doing. But it's not really, hard to do. It's not, no, it's not hard. You are so right. It's not difficult to do. It's but, about being brave enough to let your staff have a bit of autonomy to yeah. create and develop something that you then call your brand, your business, whatever it is. Um, and that's hard to let con go control of because you don't know what it's going to end up looking like. When you've got a thousand staff, that can be chaos. But whatever did get created from order i think chaos is the best place to be and but you do have to have boundaries and i've learned that the hard way you know sometimes people feel they can speak a certain way that isn't appropriate um not always a respect of of you know the obvious authority sometimes people get can get a little bit out of line with the way that they speak because they feel so equal uh, and that's a challenge as well then when you have to pull a bit of rank because something isn't going right you know um in a work-based situation that can be hard then because of the familiarity yeah and ultimately the, the decision lies with you and your business partner at the end of the day because it is it is your business and you have to do what's right for the business um not necessarily what somebody else thinks even though you really encourage that active input which is fantastic we're going to be coming to a close and I would love to ask you a couple more questions. And one is around, what are your big goals, Sarah, for the future? Because you are ambitious, you have so much to offer, you've got um, so much to say and you want to achieve. So perhaps you could just share with the listeners what your plans are for the future and 
how they could get in touch with you. Okay. Um, so my my biggest goal personally is that um, I want to achieve my PhD uh, by the time I'm 50. Uh, so I've got to start that in the next five years in order to give myself enough time to do it. I want to be Dr. Sarah Flay um, and it's massively important to me. Academia was very much my saving grace. Um, when, when I was told I'd never work again, it was the thing that I fell to and develop me. So I want to um, get my PhD is something that I really want to achieve for myself. Um, and then on a sort of a mission vision level, um, I won't settle until people with disabilities and people under the protected characteristics of the Equality Act are treated like human beings in an equal manner. So that probably will be a lifetime's work because I don't see the whole world changing anytime soon. I see it glimmers of hope and I see great pieces uh, of work being done and changes to some people's situations but equality means everyone it means all of us and I won't settle until I see that happen so I'll probably go to my grave driving the um the barriers uh, past the barriers for other people so that this world becomes more inclusive um so yeah and if people want to get in touch with me um you can find me on linkedin sarah flay um i tend to use facebook more for personal friends and family uh, but you can find legacy international group it's like a little arrow with speech marks inside the logo um and you'll find this on linkedin the website is legacyig.org um and my email is just s.flay at legacyig.org if people want to get in touch with me about anything that they've or whether they've got their own barriers and they need some support to get past them you know whatever I can do to advocate and support other people is kind of why I'm here and what I'm doing really that's brilliant I mean thank you very much for, for sharing that and sharing your story I'm sure can we have a few words to wrap up yeah I just wanted to say thanks again for you know the last kind of 15 minutes we've been really open with like the culture your company and how how everyone works together I think that's been really insightful I find it really interesting to hear just the benefits you get from that and kind of the troubles that also go along with it. Um, but yeah, just thank you for being so open and sharing your own personal story and the, what you think going through with your business. It's been, been really insightful, so a big thank you for me. Oh, thank you both for having me. I really enjoyed it. It's not very often I get to do something like this. <laughs> well, we're truly inspirational and uh, we, want, we want to share that message. And if that helps other people in some way, shape or form, realize that you can get back uh, and be successful regardless of what challenges you're facing. Yeah, we absolutely. have that ability in us. Yeah, life happens. It's how you react to it. <laughs> yeah. So very, very big thank you, Sarah. Being wonderful to have the chance to interview you and find out more about what you've achieved in life. So thank you very much indeed. Thank you both. Thank you.